Thank you for listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that your life will be forever changed by what you hear today. Our goal is to encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now let's tune in. Well, good morning, church. How's everybody? Uh, Today, uh, I do want to warn you before we get started, I'm going to preach a little deeper than I normally do today. Uh, I'm going to go into some things that I normally don't uh, do outside of a small group because um, uh, I think you're ready for it, and I think we're in a season that we need to hear it. Um, I'm going to be teaching uh, from the book of Ephesians today, Uh, the book of Ephesians. Uh, just to give you a, a couple of uh, quick flashes of information from Ephesians, it was authored uh, around 60 to 61 AD, written during Paul's first imprisonment in Rome. It was actually a house arrest. Um, it's one of four prison epistles, along with Colossians, uh, Philippians, and Philemon. Uh, Paul wrote Ephesians and Colossians at the same time, which is an interesting fact. Um, there's six chapters, 105 verses, 3,039 words. Um, Ephesians is broken down into three distinct sections, and this is what I want you to see this morning, three distinct sections. Number one, the wealth of the believer. That's chapters one through three, the wealth that we have in Christ. Uh, Number two, the walk of the believer. What is it like to walk out this Christian faith? That's chapters four through chapter six, verse nine. After uh, chapter six, uh, verse 10, uh, we start the warfare of the believer. Uh, so uh, when you're talking about Ephesians, you generally can speak about one of three topics, the wealth, the walk, or the warfare. Because of the time that I, we find ourselves in today, I'm going to talk about the warfare of the believer. How many of you know that we're under spiritual warfare? Uh, can I tell you this past week has been a week of spiritual warfare? Uh, and it has been building and building and building Uh, For those of you who weren't raised in the church, spiritual warfare is very simple. It's understanding that there's an enemy to your soul. Uh, We know this as the devil. Uh, A lot of different uh, names for the devil, but but for the sake of time today, uh, I'll use the devil and the word enemy, um, and, and those will be one and the same. Now, I do want to give you understanding in this that not all problems are the devil. Some of them are our own lack of wisdom. Okay? Um, I've heard it said before, as a joke I always heard growing up, that a pastor walked up to the front of his church and the devil was sitting on the front porch of the church crying. And the pastor said, why are you crying? He said, there's a bunch of people in there blaming stuff on me I didn't do. Ha, <laughs> And the truth is, is that we have consequences to bad actions, yes or no, right? So let's be wise in understanding the difference between a lack of wisdom and spiritual warfare, right? Spiritual warfare is uh, when you step into alignment with God's word uh, in an area that you're doing the best you can to do right, uh, and you just cannot make traction, or you are under an assault emotionally, spiritually, or physically, okay? So these are things uh, that we're going to talk about today, uh, and the Lord really gave uh, us some insight this week, and I say us because uh, it actually first came to Wendy, and then when we were talking and studying, the Lord just kind of opened up some different things about what we were talking about. 
And um, uh, I do want to say this, uh, a huge shout out, Wendy, great job with the launch of women's ministry Friday night. Great job. And I want to thank everybody that supported that. Uh, can I tell you, that is a mighty, mighty ministry. Um, I believe the women of God uh, need to take their place and understand they have authority. And I know that uh, that Hope Sisters is going to reveal that to a lot of people. So great job. Great launch. And thank you to all who participated in that launch. Uh, without further ado, let's jump into the Word of God. But first, let's pray. Father, today we need your wisdom. We need your understanding. Uh, Lord, today I pray that uh, that you would open our hearts to truly hear what it is that you're wanting to say. Father, I believe you have a fresh word for us today, a fresh word, a new revelation. And uh, would you give it to us in a way that we can use it? Give it to us in a practical way. Give it to us in bite-sized pieces that we might process it uh, and make it a part of who you've called us to be. I give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10 through verse 17, uh, we know as the warfare word. It is the part of the word that talks about spiritual warfare and the whole armor of God. Today I've entitled my sermon, The Whole Armor, The Whole Story. The Whole Armor, The Whole Story. Uh, We're going to read Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, and we're going to verse 17. Uh, Let's read. It says, Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Look at your neighbor and say, not just some of it, all of it. The whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. It's said it twice now. Remember, when the Bible says something twice, we need to pay attention specifically to what it's saying. The whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So here's what you've got in essence. Um, You have six articles of protection. Uh, And not just protection, you have defense and offense. It's the whole armor. You have the belt of truth the breastplate of righteousness, your feet are to be shod or covered with the gospel of peace. Uh, Next, you have the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. Six articles that we are challenged to put on every day. You say, well, how do you put these on? Well, you walk in them. Uh, First, the belt of truth. Know what truth is. Can I tell you, in our society today, the truth's being challenged, yes or no? How many of y'all been paying attention to what's going on at Target? They're lying to you. They're lying to you. They're telling you there's more than what God created. The Bible says in the beginning, God created 
mankind, male and female, he created them. There is nothing between male and female outside of that. They're trying to confuse us. So when you put on the belt of truth, what you literally are doing is you're getting up and you are girding up. You're putting on a belt with understanding that there is truth, that there is an absolute. The world has no absolutes, but the word of God does. Amen. So walk around with the understanding that there is truth. And it's not just, can I tell you, let's not get caught up on this whole gender thing because the world is lying in a lot of areas. Can I tell you, if they get us hung up in this one area, we won't focus on salvation for others, right? If we're so caught up in fighting and getting on Facebook about Target, we'll miss an opportunity to win somebody to Jesus, right? So go and put your belt of truth on, right? Know the truth. Then a breastplate of righteousness. Your breastplate covers your vitals, your heart, right? The old ticker. It's the source of your life. Make sure you're doing things to your, to your power, to the best you can, to do what's right. Feet shod with the gospel of peace. Make sure wherever you go, peace goes with you. Be a peacemaker. Be a peacemaker. And everywhere you go, make sure you're doing the best you can to keep and make peace. Next, the shield of faith. Understanding that attacks will come, and they will come. When you have this understanding that they will come, this shield of faith is literally understanding that you have faith in God and that faith in God is enough, irrelevant of what's going on around you. Your faith in God is strong enough to hold you. You're going to be okay. The fiery darts of the wicked one, I believe, because the enemy's called the accuser of the brethren. I believe those fiery darts that it talks about are accusations. Did you know that the devil is always accusing not just you to God, but God to you? He's always going around accusing you to God, saying, God, did you see uh, what Tim Bolduck did this week? Did you see what Wendy Neal did this week? Did you see what George Peden did this week? And God's saying, I see all things. Thanks for nothing. Right? But even then, he accuses God to you. And this is the way it looks. Are you sure God hears you when you pray? Are you sure God sees your situation? Because if an omnipotent God saw your situation, surely it would have changed by now. He begins to try to damage our faith. But the Bible says that our faith can quench those fiery accusations. Why? Because no matter what the devil says, Stay plugged in to the word of God and no matter what accusations come, understand that nothing supersedes the scripture. Amen. After that, the helmet of salvation, keep your head right. That's a battle within itself. Can I tell you, if you win the battleground of the mind, you win the war. The helmet of salvation. It means if your head is right, everything else will be right. You're going to be fine. The helmet of salvation. Lastly, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is an offensive piece. When you want to go after the devil, quote Scripture. Quote Scripture. When he comes at you in a negative way, fire back with Scripture, right? When he comes at you and he tells you, hey, you're sick and you're 
always going to be sick. You say, by his stripes I'm made whole. Right? When he comes at you and says, you're never going to have what you need, you say, my scripture says that my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills and walks on streets of gold. Right? When he says, you're all alone and it's just me and you and I'm going to fight. No, 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 devil. The scripture says that my father will never leave me nor forsake me. He's a friend that sticks closer than any brother. That's why it's so important we know the truth. And here's the sad part is so many people put on the defensive armor, but then they don't know the scripture to quote. So you're out there just taking hits and you don't know how to fire anything back. That's why a lot of people are so weary in their faith. Can I tell you, the devil is a coward. When you fire back, the Bible says all you got to do is resist and he'll flee in seven directions. Now you start rebuking that rascal and all things change. You rebuke him through the scripture, which is the sword of the spirit. But something happened this past week. Wendy and I were, were talking and in her Bible study, well, she's got an amazing Bible study that uh, they do. Is it Wednesday mornings? It's Wednesday mornings at the church office. And, um, and in this Bible study, they've been reading, and they're finding some incredible revelation in the Scripture. But she brought me a concept that she found in Isaiah 59, which honestly I've read, but I've never put two and two together. And I want to read this. It's in Isaiah chapter 59, verses 15 through 19. I want to take you there. Isaiah 59, verses 15 through 19. This is one of the prophecies of the prophet Isaiah. Uh, starting in verse 15, it says, Then the Lord saw it. And it displeased him. Watch this, watch this. There was no justice. And he saw there was no man. And he wondered that there was no intercessor. If you put those backwards, without intercession for man, there'll never be justice. So God is literally putting a concept together through the prophet Isaiah. He's saying there's no man, there's no intercessor. And because of that, there can be no justice. Therefore, his own arm, God himself, brought salvation for him. And his own righteousness, it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. Stop right there. Now, let me just say this. Armor protects flesh. Yes or no? Is there any need to put on armor if you're a spirit. No, this is a flesh. This is a prophecy about a man who is going to come in the flesh. This is a uh, kind of a preface of Christ coming in the flesh. Okay, so watch this. Watch this. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly, he will repay them. Fury to his adversaries and recompense to his enemies. The coastlands he will fully repay. Now, what's interesting is, is when it says the coastlands he will fully repay, is that's where a lot of uh, spiritual warfare took place because they had weapons on ships. And so he's saying anywhere there's massive casualties from warfare, I'm going to lay out justice, right? So... Uh, let's see, he says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Are you grateful for that today? How many of you sometimes just feel like that you just 
feel overwhelmed. You just feel like from time to time, you just feel like you're going to lose it. You just feel like you just, you can't go another day. You're just overwhelmed and you, you feel like you're being overcome either spiritually or emotionally. This scripture is one that you can stand on. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. For the sake of time, I'm not going to teach on that. Uh, I want to teach you about the whole armor and the whole story. There is a difference between the armor that God has put on Christ and the armor he's put on us. God gave us six pieces and Christ walked in four pieces. It's interesting. It's interesting. The six pieces, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, feet shot with the gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. Those are the six pieces that God gave us to put on for spiritual warfare, right? To protect ourselves. But then there were four pieces that he gave Christ. A breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, and garments of vengeance, and zeal as a cloak. Again, I'm preaching a little bit different than I normally do today because I want you to have understanding. Spiritual warfare is a deep thing, and you need to have knowledge in order to be successful. You need to know what the scripture has to say. When we look at what is missing from God's armor when compared with ours, here are the four things. It's missing a belt of truth. In other other words, in Isaiah 59, the pieces that we do not see are these, the belt of truth. Well, why is that? Do you need the belt of truth when you are the way, the truth, and the life? No, you don't need it because you are truth, right? How about shield of faith? There's no need for faith. I'm pretty sure God is aware of his own existence. So no need for the shield of faith. How about the sword of the spirit? He is the sword of the spirit. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word. So we don't need that. Lastly, feet shod with the gospel of peace. Why would he need to remind himself to go peacefully everywhere he goes when he is the prince of peace. These are added items that you and I need to battle our flesh. Christ did not have the same battles. He was in the flesh. But can I tell you, he already had the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation, right? He was locked in in righteousness and salvation. And it's that righteousness and salvation which allowed him to go to the cross completely sinless. Can I tell you, the breastplate of righteousness and helmet of salvation is what will allow you and I to walk into the room with an angry God, a just God, and stand with boldness, without fear that the justice will hit us because the justice had already hit Jesus. Amen. Preaching a little bit different than I normally do. Stay with me. God has four pieces. The breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, which we've already discussed, but these next two are interesting. Garments of vengeance and zeal as a cloak. Garments of vengeance. What does the scripture say about vengeance? Vengeance is... Mine, declares the Lord. Why does he say that? 
Because he doesn't want us to have any fun getting back at people? Right? No, not at all. The reason he says vengeance is mine is because he can see the outcome before the action. He also can control what levels of devastation need to take place to get people to turn to him. Right? You and I, when we respond in vengeance, it's the flesh responding. When God responds in vengeance, it's eternal wisdom responding. Right? So when he says, vengeance is mine, he's saying, trust me with this. Another reason why I'm glad he takes vengeance is because vengeance and unforgiveness is so heavy. It is too heavy for you to carry. Have you ever been so angry? Someone did something careless to you. They treated you a certain way. They did something that caused an offense. Have you ever been in that season where all you could think about was getting them back? You ever been in that season where all you can think about was, oh, they're going to get theirs? I promise you. I picked Nora up from school. She's in kindergarten this past year. She was quiet when she got in the truck. I said, how was your day? She goes, fine. Which is not a typical Nora response. She's normally quite talkative. It was great. Today on the playground, we did this. We did this. We did this craft today. I got warm and fuzzies. We did da 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 And she's talking with everything. I said, how was your day? Fine. And she's just kind of staring out the window. And I said, sweetheart, is everything okay? She said, it will be. <laughs> I said, it, 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 it will be. She goes, tomorrow it'll all be better. <laughs> I'm afraid to ask, but tell me, tell me what happened. Today, someone hit me in the arm, Dad. I said, somebody hit you in the arm? And I'm not going to say names because you might be here today. <laughs> but I can just tell you, you owe me because I saved your son's life. <laughs> and I said, sweetheart, tell me what happened. She says, we were playing. And out of nowhere... He came up and he hit my arm and her lips quivering a little bit. You can tell it's really bothering her. And I said, sweetheart, I said, did it hurt? She goes, not my body, but she said it hurt my heart. I said, I understand that. I said, so what will make it better tomorrow, just resting and going back and trying to make friends? She goes, I want to push him off the swing set tomorrow. <laughs> If there's ever been a day to keep a child at home. I said, well, Nora, I need to talk to you about that. I said, you can't go pushing kids off the playground. You just can't do that. And I said, why do you want to do that? She goes, because even though the pain in my arm's over, I still am bothered by it, Dad. And I said, sweetheart, that's okay. I said, there are going to be people who are careless with you. It was a great teaching moment. Even her at five, it was even before she turned six. Even at five years old, I was able to share with her a simple truth that people can be careless. That, that little boy, he did not realize when he hit you on the arm that he was hitting you in your heart. 
and that the best way to truly get back at someone is to release them. And don't let it get to your heart, Noah. Say, you know what, they hit me on the arm, but they still like me. It's okay. And can I tell you, walking her through that, at the time I was dealing with some issues. And all too often when I'm trying to teach my kids, I feel God say, uh, you're taking your own medicine there, Dad. Right? Can I tell you, I'm so glad that the garments of vengeance are not mine to wear. Then when God looked down on earth and he said, where are the gaps? What are the things that my children need to handle and where are the things they don't need to handle? Instantly, vengeance. It's way too heavy. Even for a five-year-old Nora, she doesn't need that weighing her down. She needs to stay light in her spirit. She's just a baby for Pete's sake. But can I tell you, when God sees us, in his infinites. He says they're just children. Can I tell you, this life is like a vapor when compared to eternity. So I don't care how old you are, when compared to God, you're just a baby. And you're still growing, you're still learning. And he says that vengeance is not for my children. This is too much for you to carry. So this is the first thought I want to give you for my teaching today, is if you're dealing with unforgiveness, and if you're struggling with vengeance, can I tell you, you need to leave that here with us today. It's too heavy for you to carry. So I would implore you, leave it at the cross. God's able to carry it. He does not need your help, contrary to popular belief. He can do it all by himself. Can I also tell you this? God's vengeance is so valuable and it's so precise and it's so wise that he can even take the darkest of person that you want the worst for in this current season and bring it back around to where you might even be used to win that person to Christ. You say, I don't want to win them to Christ. I don't want to spend five minutes with them, much less in eternity. Can I tell you, that's just your flesh speaking. When your spirit settles, can I tell you, I don't care how bad somebody is, I don't want hell for anybody. I want salvation for everybody. Amen? Now watch this. The next thing he puts on is the zeal as a cloak. Zeal as a cloak. Zeal, I thought, man, what is this? Because all throughout the scripture, you see this. It's like 18 times I found where it says, and the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. You ever seen that in your reading? And God's zeal will bring this to pass. I mean, what is this zeal? So I looked it up and I cross-referenced it through Greek and Hebrew. And, and when I put it all together, this is what you find it to be. It's God's divine jealousy with which he operates to protect and restore his people. It's God's divine jealousy that drives him to the ultimate protection and restoration of his people. The closest thing I can say uh, is if you're a parent, we have a jealous love for our children that when somebody 
does something to them. We have this rage against that person, right? But what happens when it's two of your children? Parents, our kids don't fight each other ever, do they? You have not raised children if that's the case. Uh, my kids take turns going after one another constantly. If it ain't Maddie and Gabe, it's Gabe and Nora. And he always loses that one, by the way. If it's not Gabe and Nora, it's Nora and Maddie. Can I tell you something? They're always at one another. Where do I posture my vengeance in that scenario? No, no, no. It's not time for vengeance. That's when my zeal kicks in. You see the difference? That's not my vengeance. That's my zeal. Because my zeal comes in to protect and restore. Protect and restore. Make it stop. Prevent it from happening again. Right? So God literally puts on this nature. When he sends Jesus to earth in the flesh, he says, all of these other tools that they're going to need, they're specific to them. But Jesus, you, when you go, there are two things that I will not give my children, but you'll have to carry them. You'll have to carry vengeance. And you'll have to carry this zeal. And this zeal will allow you to protect and restore my people. You see, the truth is, is that when Jesus came to earth, it was the greatest rescue mission ever known to mankind. To bring hope and restoration, to bring peace and protection, but also to draw a line in the sand that those who don't cross over that line will eventually find vengeance. I'm so glad that God reserved those articles for himself and not me. There are times I honestly... In my flesh, I kind of wish he had let me wear that vengeance cloak just for a little bit. You ever wish you could just put that bad boy on for about 30 minutes? Jesus, let me borrow the jacket. I'm going to fix this. Let me borrow the jacket. I know it's yours, but let me borrow it just for a minute. If you'll let me borrow that vengeance, I can fix Crestview in about 30 minutes. Right? That's how we feel. Get on Crestview word of mouth and tell me you don't feel like putting the jacket on. I'm telling you, if you're in your flesh, you feel like responding. You feel like getting fired up. You feel like getting charged up. But then I look at what I'm supposed to be wearing, and it says, just keep your feet shod with peace. See, you can't have vengeance and peace at the same time. God says, I would rather you have peace and let me have the vengeance. Everywhere you go, walk in peace, right? You can't have both. So as I begin to wrap this message up, what I want to share with you today is that what God originally meant for us is to live this life of peace and joy and never have sickness or pain or any of this in the Garden of Eden. It was this wonderful experience. And Isaiah 59 says, when God looked down, he said there was no justice. Can I tell you, in our world, sometimes it feels like there's no justice. 
if you watch the news, sometimes it feels like there's no justice. Can I tell you, as a believer, sometimes I feel like there's no justice. You can be any religion you want to be right now except Christian. If you don't believe it, just turn the news on. You can get a pass. You can be a Muslim, get a pass. You can be a Sikh, get a pass. Hindu, whatever, get a pass. But the minute you fly the flag of Christianity in your life, it just infuriates people. Why is that? Because Christianity is different in that it's real. Christianity is different in that it is supported by the creation of the one true living God. Christianity is different in that it says there is one way to God, and his name is Jesus. You see, the world will always let you run as far as you want to go on the wrong treadmill. But the minute you step off that treadmill and start making a stride toward Christ, man, they absolutely lose it. Can I tell you, that almost is, is a trigger for me of what is the right way. Have you ever done that? Have you ever thought about, if the world attacks me going that direction, it means I'm going the right direction. The world is sick and twisted right now. And they're wanting us to put on the vengeance and fight back in order to devalue our belief. But can I tell you, nothing infuriates them more than when we just keep our feet shod with the gospel of peace. No matter what you say, man, I'm staying in my peace. No matter what you say, I'm going to keep my breastplate of righteousness on. I'm going to keep doing the right things. Can I tell you, I'm going to use the scripture with wisdom and with love, the sword of the spirit. Then my faith, it'll protect me. Nothing will get to me. God is with me. But at the end of the day, you just have to have this knowledge that there are certain things that are for the believer and certain things that just aren't. So let me wrap this thing up. Spiritual warfare. I believe that we are coming into a season that spiritual warfare will have to be acknowledged. There's been a season where you can kind of take it or leave it. And the take it or leave it aspect is because it's kind of been happening in a way that can be hidden, can be explained away, can be manipulated. It's just, well, it's just bad days and good days. We are quickly exiting those days. And we are stepping into a season that the Bible talks about as the last days. And in the last days, the Bible says that darkness, yet gross darkness, shall cover the face of the earth. That you and I will be like these candles in complete darkness. And the Bible says it'll be a light that the darkness cannot comprehend, nor can it overwhelm. Why would the scripture tell us that if there would not be the attempt? There's an attempt to get you to leave your faith, to get you to give up on God to get you to stop believing. If you're not a believer here, if you haven't received Christ, can I tell you, all of hell is raging to keep you from ever believing. 
Because boy, once you lay hold of the truth of what your job is, of just loving people, putting on the armor, reading the word, boy, once you get that, the enemy can't do anything with you then. But too many times we try to borrow the, the cloak and the jacket of God, don't we? Listen, leave the vengeance to him. How many knows he is a better protector than we are? How many knows that he is a better restorer of people than we are? Aren't you glad it's not on us to restore people? Well, the people business is a messy business, isn't it? God said, you let me, through my zeal, protect and restore. I don't have to protect you. I don't have to restore you. And I don't have to deal with vengeance. So as I step, as we as a church step into this oncoming season of spiritual warfare, know your role. It's not to bring vengeance. It's not to save people. We cannot save people, yes or no. We can't do it. But we can show them the God who can. Right? And along with that, salvation brings an opportunity for restoration. That's not our job either. We just bring them to him and he is the the restorer of people, right? So know our role that those are God's jobs. What's our job? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Above which there is no law. Spiritual warfare is real. Get up every day. Put on the whole armor of God. Not just some of it, but the whole armor of God. Put the belt on, the breastplate on. Carry your shield, carry your sword. Put your helmet on. Shod your feet. So no matter what the enemy does, you're covered. Yeah. See, some of y'all have been dealing with spiritual warfare and you just didn't know what to call it. You've been dealing with the heaviness and you just didn't know what to call it. Just attack after attack after attack after attack and you just didn't know what to call it. It's spiritual warfare. There's a very real enemy to your soul. But can I tell you this? All you have to do is stand on God's word. Let him be the vengeance. Can I tell you, nobody can put a knot on the devil's head like Jesus. Amen. So let's let him do the heavy lifting. Amen. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. Lord, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that when we study your word, we find these little nuggets about you actually wearing armor on Christ and allowing him to function and operate uh, with his own specific uh, requirements. Lord, I'm so grateful today that you don't require me to carry the vengeance, that I can just keep loving people, that I don't have to stay pent up in vengeance and anger. I'm free. I'm free to love. I'm free to forgive. I'm free to even forget, which is even the hardest part. 
So I thank you that that's not my garment today. I thank you, Lord, that the restoration is in the hands of the master restorer. That, Lord, that you can bring restoration to people that the world has completely written off. How many of us in this room, Lord, have just been in a season to where we thought our valuable days were behind us? And yet here we are again, being used by the Lord. So, Father, I thank you that the armor you've given me is very light and I can function in it with great joy and great peace. The expectation, Lord, that the same righteousness that's on you is on me. That the same helmet of salvation, the same thoughts of my salvation that are in my mind about you saving me, it's what you're thinking about too. I thank you, Lord, that we never leave your heart or your mind. That's what it says. It says that there's a breastplate of righteousness and a helmet of salvation on you, but you are sinless, so why? It's because your people never leave your thoughts or heart. I thank you for that today. Lord, as we enter in a season, Lord, where things look like they may get a little heavier, where persecution of the believer may get a little more tense. Father, protect us from our flesh and our pride. Remove from us the desire to get even and have vengeance. We are not God. Help us to walk in peace. Remove from us the weight of feeling like it's on us to save and restore people. It's not on us. It's on you. That's your job, not our job. Lord, in that, help us to recognize that all we have to do is bring people to you. Just trust you. And you're able to do much greater things than we could ask or imagine. So I thank you for that today. Thank you for making our burden light. Lord, bless us and keep us. Be gracious to us and show us your favor. Make your face shine upon us and give us peace, both now and forevermore. Cover us with the blood of Jesus from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. I thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Bring us back next week with more wisdom and more of your word locked away in our heart, and we'll give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you. We love you, and we'll see you next week. Thanks again for joining us today for the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that what you've heard today will bless you until the next time we meet again. We hope you'll join us again soon to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged to experience the real Jesus. Take good care and God bless.